Hey strangers, today's episode features the key hairstylist for Stranger Things. Kat and I talk about how to take care of your hair during a pandemic, the magical Dolly Parton, working with wigs, and of course, Stranger Things. She's super fun and brilliant. This interview was done over Skype, and Kat's amazing. She laughs a lot, and I like that. Enjoy this chat. As always, stay strange. Hey, this is Kat Suri. I'm the key hairstylist for Stranger Things Season 3. You're listening to the Upside Down Podcast. How are you? I'm well. This is Ash. So how are you doing right now with the shutdown? How are you feeling? I'm doing good. Honestly, I mean, this is it feels really indulgent and very terrible to say that like I'm so grateful for this time because I just moved into my house in August of last year and there were so many things I wanted to do outside that I was like, oh, I'm not going to be able to do it because I'm going to be so busy and like I've crossed everything and then some off of the list that I was hoping to do over like four years. (laughs) So it's been good. And, you know, I feel like this is kind of like the retirement I may never get at this point. (laughs) So, yeah. How are you? I'm good. As people who work on film, because, you know, I come from a film family, you're right. always working and you love it. Yeah. It's your passion, but it is nice to get some downtime, even if it's under very surreal experiences and circumstances. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like, too, I mean, we're kind of made for a pause in, in many ways as freelancers, but usually not quite this long. Like I've taken three months off and been very happy about it. Six months, which is, I think, at least where we'll be sitting is, you know, more of a challenge because I like to flee the country and go travel and stuff like that. So it's been interesting for sure. I think that talking to you right now is really perfect timing for me. I was supposed to get my hair cut and trimmed. You were supposed to do that every uh, six to eight weeks or whatever, get a trim. And I was due in March. So I haven't had uh-huh. a haircut or anything since December of last year. So I'm looking, uh-huh. I'm looking rough and I'm just deep conditioning it and like wrapping it up in one of those phone cord hair bands that are new. Uh-huh. Am, I, am I doing the right thing, Kat? These are the things our listeners want to know about is will my hair? Okay. Your hair's going to be totally okay. I mean, I am an unusual hairstylist in that I haven't cut my hair. I mean, I'll give like a little baby trim, but I haven't cut my hair since December of 2018 (laughs) just because, you know, I'm that person. So I feel like, you know, as long as you're taking care of it, like if you go a year without a haircut, it's okay for, you know, whatever reason, pandemic or personal choice, you know. So if you're not using excess heat or, you know, brushing like a crazy person, you're going to be okay. I promise. No, I, well, I used to do the thing. I have really curly hair, like wavy. So it doesn't do cool curls. It kind of does like thick waves. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And so I've been lucky enough that I can just wash it like once every five or six days. But yeah. during this pandemic, I've decided I'm a runner cat. I've decided that I run. <laughs> <laughs> Good for you. So I, I still to- haven't decided that, so you're fine. <laughs> so I went into my garage and like I pulled out my treadmill and I started like, okay, I'm a I'm a hard walker. I'll be honest with the listeners. I'm not really a runner. I run <laughs> I run for like a minute and then I walk hard for like 35. And so my Good. hair is getting like really greasy and I'm having to shower every other day to like get it clean. But I'm just like mm-hmm. I gotta do something with this mess. But now I feel good knowing it's not. You don't gotta stick to the you know 
six to eight week rule or whatever it is. No, I mean, everybody's different. And if that's your usual and you're happy with it, then, you know, when it's time to get back to it, you will. Or you may find that, like, oh, I can go two months or two or three. And then also, too, like, this is the perfect time to experiment. Like, I don't personally use shampoo on my hair. I use baking soda and apple cider vinegar. So, like, you can try out new things and see if there's something to keep your regiment sort of intact if you're a natural, like, five to six day washer. So instead of using shampoo, you know, two or three times a week now, you can still shampoo every fifth day and then add that in to sort of cleanse your scalp in between. What does the apple cider and the vinegar do that that just, oh, I'm sorry, is it apple vinegar, apple cider vinegar and baking soda? Yes, not together. So I will do, like if you get one of the color bottles that you can pick up at like Sally's, the very bottom you put a little bit of baking soda and you fill it all the way up with water and then you do the same thing with apple cider vinegar. And essentially what you're going to do is, because you're only worried about the scalp, the scalp's what's sturdy. You, when you're in the shower, you rinse your hair down and then you use that and you kind of just squirt it out onto your scalp and it doesn't foam or anything. But you can sort of like rub it around into your scalp, do the baking soda first, then rinse it out, follow with the apple cider vinegar, <laughs> same thing, <laughs> rinse it out. And pro tip, don't put them together because that's a chemical reaction. <laughs> so, But it's easy. And, and that way, if you know you don't love shampooing your hair every other day, but you feel like you need a little something, it's a great tool to add to your arsenal. Kids are going to be like, Mom, I'm listening to the Upside Down podcast. You're talking about it. <laughs> Yeah, I know. There's a professional talking about something I can get in my kitchen. No, it's good to know. It's funny. I use, um, like, our family is vegans. Uh, we were just, like, raised mm-hmm. that way. And yeah. I use the same shampoo that Sadie uses. So I thought it was really funny when she was posting online, like, everybody use this vegan shampoo from Switzerland. Uh-huh. And I was like, I do, girl. I use that. <laughs> I know. It's so, like, it's amazing, like, what we're able to get these days, you know, that it's so accessible and, and really wonderful and depending on what your outlook on life is like you can find products that support your mission statement you know so I think that's so cool I know that we're here to talk about stranger things but we are in a shutdown and it is like you're at your house for just so long and I mean I I guess it depends on the kind of person you are if you're going out if you've got things you have to do but we Mm -hmm. are pretty much staying in our house because my daughter our mascot gets sick very easily so it's just not like a risk we can take so I can't go get a haircut and I can't really go buy the kind of specialty conditioners I want to buy, which is a luxury in its own. I understand completely. But it is nice to know that I have alternatives. I've been fretting. I'm like, my hair is just going to be a nightmare by the time I can go get it cut next year. (laughs) But now I know. I'm going to be like, Kat says it's fine, guys. She says it's fine. Just let it grow. I say it's fine. And worst case, you know, you you turn on YouTube and don't (laughs) go crazy with like a self haircut. But there's ways that you can sort of like take the very bottom if it's looking a little ratty. I watched some YouTube videos and I had my husband Mm -hmm. order me some like cutting shears from Sally's for my birthday Mm -hmm. and I tried to do the little twist and cut off the split ends and I don't don't know if it did anything but I felt like I've done it I've mastered this (laughs) (laughs) I'm saving so much money I'm a home hairstylist (laughs) are my hair sides two different lengths now yes but they're wavy so it looks fine that's exactly it you know like if wavy hair and curly hair I feel like they're so forgiving that you know like you make a mistake but also like it's hair it's gonna grow back you know so you're fine (laughs) well you know talking about hair we were i've talked to a couple of different uh, crew members on the show so we know that getting the actors into the look is very important for how they create their characters how they feel Mm -hmm. like they're gonna be 11 or nancy wheeler so i'm curious what was it that made you decide initially to become a hairstylist 
So I grew up in Detroit and I was always really involved in theater and had done just about everything in theater except for wigs. And I moved down to Atlanta and was disconnected from a theater scene. And for whatever reason, I was like, oh, I'll just go to hair school so I can learn how to do wigs, which is not at all how you do it. But it kind of worked out in this weird way where I was going to hair school and then I was able to join on at the Atlanta Opera and I got a lot of wig training, um, which is the whole reason I went to hair school and loved it. And so that kind of, you know, through one very fortunate event to the next, like led me into the film industry, which I was never planning on getting in. So I'm sort of like an accidental hairstylist. Um, (laughs) And I've never necessarily worked in a salon or anything because that was never why I sort of went down this path. I just always really love creating characters. And this was a new way to embark on that journey. Yeah, it's interesting. I'm surprised that we haven't met. I mean, I think that we actually have met once. I think we met at Strange Saturday the big Jimmy Carter Museum event. Yeah, Um, we did, yes. But it's surprising that we haven't met like in work because I worked in a lot of Atlanta theaters. I actually almost worked at the Atlanta Opera, but I got a different theater position before, like like, literally three days before that happened. No way. That's so cool. (laughs) So it's interesting. I bet we know a lot of the same people. The community is like very big, but it's also very small. Like um, Netflix's Teenage Bounty Hunters comes out. I think it came out today. And Uh one of the lead actresses was in a, a, she's just a local actress that's been doing theater for years. And I did a photo shoot with her maybe three and a half years ago. And then I just saw her tweet like, hey, I'm a star on this show. And it's like, what? That's so cool. I know. It's amazing. It's really cool. Yeah. Yeah, It's so cool. Now, you know this, but before we talk about Stranger Things, I have to ask you about your work. I saw that you worked on Twilight, the saga, Breaking Dawn, part two. And my daughter, for some reason, has recently become obsessed. I say for some reason, because they released all the movies on Amazon, and we mm-hmm. binged them all in yes. two days. <laughs> Perfect pandemic timing. I saw this, too. But I saw that you worked on it, and I just, just, what was that experience like? Because when those movies came out, or when those books came out, at least, that was like a huge phenomenon. People were, like, losing it. Okay, so it's interesting because at the very start of my career, the first show I was ever on was a show called Vampire Diaries. And then I had the opportunity to go work on Twilight while I was shooting Vampire Diaries. So I had this weird sort of (laughs) vampire motif happening in my life. So my first TV show, Vampires, first movie, Vampires. And I got to go because I specialize in wigs. And so it's not as exciting as it sounds. I went and worked on their second unit, like their whole stunt unit, um, to replace a really phenomenal hairstylist. I, I don't know how I got this call still, who had to leave to go to the BAFTAs because she was nominated and I was like still I don't know how I'm here but yeah so I got to work on the stunt unit for like the big snow fight that happened yep. yeah so it was just so cool and like such a wonderful like first movie I guess and like I got so much street credit but to be honest like I haven't seen any of them like I have no interest in vampires so <gasps> I know <Blast> <laughs> I know. I've actually read the books because my sister, she, I actually do the podcast with her now, um, but I'm uh-huh. older than her. And so she was like really into, she's going to kill me for saying this, but she was really into the Twilight books. And so we took them to see the first movie when it came out. And yeah. I was so confused. I was like, what is happening? I don't understand. And so <laughs> we, I went home and I was like, I need your book. I have to read this. I'm, I don't understand what happened. And then when right. you read the first one, you're like, look, I got to read this 
second one. I got to know what's happening. So, yeah, but it's just funny because my daughter recently got really into it. Um, so she wanted to know if you were Team Edward or Team Jacob, but you don't know, do you? Because you're I'm not – it's not your thing. I'm neither. I'm Team neither. I'm so sorry. She can make her own choices, and she shouldn't be persuaded by my lack of choices. <laughs> <laughs> she is Team Jacob. <laughs> Good for her. I'm so happy for her. <laughs> now, you said that one of your first jobs was uh, The Vampire Diaries, which, you know, everyone in Atlanta knows is like a really long-standing uh, show. I yeah. actually had a job interview at a university in Covington when we very uh-huh. first moved here. And I was just like, I'm in Mystic Falls. This is so <laughs> interesting. Right? How did you get yeah. that job? It was, Again, I was apprenticing for this local hairstylist and, and wig maker here in Atlanta. And he was in the union at that point. And they were doing a flashback to 1864, you know, when they started doing the flashbacks in season two to explain the beginning. And because I worked at the opera, I was like, I know what 1864 looks like easy peasy. And so originally I was helping prep and then they couldn't get enough hairstylists. So I was invited on for one day. And then of course we didn't finish filming. It was like a fratter day. So we were shooting overnight. I showed up at like (laughs) 1 PM to like get everybody ready. And then we shot until 6 AM the next day. And I was like, what did I get myself into? But they didn't finish. They're like, Hey, can you come back next week and help us, you know, do this? And so I came back for day two, which I was never supposed to come to. And then it turned into day three and day four. And that was how I got into the film industry was Vampire Diaries. Yeah, Vampire Diaries is really cool. When their season ended, I was working at a nonprofit theater in town and we got contacted and they said, look, we have a giant warehouse full of like props and clothes and all kinds Uh of things. And they invited us down to kind of come through and look through what we wanted. And so we got to walk through the stages um, and they were like, no pictures. (laughs) But but we got to kind of see everything and just see all the different clothes and all the different furniture. And then they let us leave with like two or three, you know, giant bags of clothes clothes to use during our productions and it's funny because one of the jackets that we had pulled that we thought might make a good costume piece our person was like no that's never that's never going to work for anything and so they were like I'm glad you got it but we're just it's never going to be used for any of our productions and so I got to uh-huh. just bring it home and so I have one of Carolyn's jackets hanging in my closet it does not fit me I'm not Carolyn's size <laughs> sometimes, yeah. sometimes I like to look at it and go season 2 Carolyn <laughs> oh my gosh that's so cool. So anyone who listens to this podcast knows that I am obsessed with Dolly Parton. I was born in Nashville, Tennessee. And when I was talking to Tina Rowden, who I know you're familiar with, the photographer, yes. she was Love telling her. me that she worked on Dolly's show. And I was just like, the jealousy is so, <laughs> so real. I spent my summer camps at Dollywood. Oh, wow. And I see here you worked on Dolly Parton's Coat of Many Colors. And I think you even worked on uh, a new movie that she has coming out or a new special. What is it like working with someone like Dolly Parton? I mean, Dolly is like a living legend the opportunity i've had to get to work with dolly like three times now first was code of many colors and then christmas of many colors and then now the upcoming movie which is on netflix called christmas on the square that's the one that tina and i did together and it's really cool because we actually didn't get to see dolly at all the first one um schedules didn't work out and then she came in for a day on the second one But in this upcoming one, she was there pretty much the whole time. And so it was really cool to get the chance to to see people who like, even if you're not familiar with her, like I didn't necessarily grow up like on Dolly Parton. You always knew who she was, you know, and I think as you get older, your world 
broadens as you sort of discover your own musical tastes. And so it's really cool to see a woman of her age who is so talented and so humble and so kind, but then also like she's a spitfire. And like, I really love that, that she doesn't sort of suffer anybody like everybody works at such a high standard and i really really love that it's it's a lot of fun to work with that oh i love her so much um yeah when you grow up in tennessee it's kind of hard not to it's like dolly is everywhere like if you're in pigeon forge if you're anywhere you're like looking around every corner you're like dolly dolly but i've never never seen her it's funny because when i was a kid i would go through all my mom's old dolly parton movies and there was the classics like you know i love nine to five but then i remember Uh you know you're just pulling movies that you see a picture of dolly on it and she did one called the best little whorehouse in texas yeah i I was watching it once when i was like eight or nine or something my mom was like no this is this is not the dolly for you (laughs) not this one not yet not yet i've grown to appreciate that movie though it's pretty funny yeah so stranger things here we go here we go guys (laughs) (laughs) now you've worked on a lot of shows which we've talked about some of them it's interesting to me that you worked on a lot of really popular teen events like you're on stranger things which is like a mega hit with everyone but also with teens you did twilight you've done the hunger games and vampire diaries i mean that's you know teen vampire love it doesn't get more teen than that Um, (laughs) when you're working on a show that requires a lot of research for example stranger things you have to get it right you're not really creating a look so much as you're trying to find a look that probably existed and works for the characters how far Mm -hmm. in advance do you start planning your styles well it i think it really depends on on the role in which you're coming into any show you know if you're on something full-time the research starts really far in advance versus if I'm hiring a hairstylist to come in, you know, tomorrow to help with a big call, they may not know until the night before. And then typically I'll send them some reference pictures so that they have some sort of range in which they're working, which helps them sort of pull all of the tools that they need and kind of do their own research and yada, yada, yada. But I mean, it's interesting because I helped out on season one and, and it was sort of like, oh, yeah, we're doing this 80 show. And, you know, <laughs> it's like 82, 83 with set late 70s elements because it's small town. And, and that's kind of all the info I had. There was like a, a collage board. And then as I stepped in and, and was working full time. Like we start way before we even kind of get paid to to, uh, start thinking about all of this. And so it can be like, okay, well, we're in 84. And then you start just sort of looking at everything 1984. Like, you know, maybe you know what time of year, maybe you don't, right? You'll probably figure out where in the world you're filming, which will also impact the looks that you're going to start pulling. You're going to look at pop culture. So you're going to look at magazines. I love yearbooks so much as like my favorite way to sort of get an idea of what it feels like in any one area, magazines, movies, like everything. And so you sort of start with like the broad strokes. And then as you sort of have characters that you're going to start to develop, or you understand sort of, you know, maybe this is a a basketball team, or maybe this is a cheerleading team or whatever, you know, you can sort of start pinpointing. And so you start really broad, and then you work inwards. (laughs) Yeah. Speaking with Amy Paris, who does costumes, and Amy Forsyth, who does makeup, I know that Mm -hmm. your teams have a lot of collaboration between each other. But what I am curious about is, how do you get the ball rolling? Do you wait for Amy Paris's design? So you kind of have a look at what their outfits are going to be like? Do you wait for the makeup? How does that 
I'm, I'm curious how that collaboration works. It's a really interesting dance, I think, where like maybe you don't even have scripts yet, right? But you kind of have these like archetypes characters, you know, like if we're looking at a new character, for example, even with like Billy and Max, when they came in, we had sort of broad strokes. And so everybody kind of is off in their own corner, right? It's figuring it out and it's, it's pretty broad. And then slowly we kind of come together and we'll say, okay, Amy, what was your feel? Or how did your meetings with the bros go? What did they say? And then which each world is so different and yet it only works when we all gel together, you know? So it usually starts with a lot of independent work. And then maybe you have this like really bomb hairstyle and you're like, this is going to be perfect. And then you walk in (laughs) and Amy's pulled something completely different and you go, okay, now we rethink, you know? Yeah. Or if we really feel strongly, you know, like for season three, we knew we were going to perm Nancy, like 100% knew that was going to happen. So we could have that conversation early on with the Amy's so they knew exactly where we were going. And so I feel like it's all about communication and, and really sort of like being open during the whole process to see where it naturally evolves. Because I find that if you have like your heart set on something necessarily, Sometimes we miss out on those really wonderful gems that you can come up with. Yeah. I like how you call the Duffer Brothers the bros. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. Is that too informal? I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. I think I was asking you a question and I was like, the Amy's? Because it's just, you know, there's Amy Uh Forsyth and Amy Paris. I mean, I feel like we're really missing out by not having an Amy full-time in the hair department. We do have some that will come and help, but we don't have a full-time Amy. So if you need to call me, like, the third Amy, you can. We're Sarah. (laughs) So, uh, as you know, I was lucky enough to be an extra in season three, which our listeners know. And they're tired of hearing me talking about. But I did have a Uh question. Um, Answer. So I had extremely long hair back when this happened. And uh, it it was down to my back. And Mm -hmm. I have blonde hair naturally but I bleach it like nobody's business <laughs> or I used to and pre pre shut down now it's I know su- it's a new world <laughs> now it's a sweet sweet light brown but um, uh-huh. it was all the way down to my back and they were like we're gonna have to cut your hair and I thought you know what whatever I'm never gonna get this opportunity again and I'm already here I'm already in wardrobe I'm not gonna embarrass you know whoever called me in by being like no I'm an extra and you shan't cut my hair (laughs) so I said sure let's go for it and at the last minute you know they decided no we're just gonna give you a long French braid and I was really curious you know how does a decision like that happen because the whole time I was there it was like psych yourself up for this five inch chop and then (laughs) at the last minute they were like no we'll just braid it is it just like a time constraint is it that maybe Maybe um, my scene with, with like little children and so they were just getting antsy because they had been there four years and they were just trying to get it, get it going. Um, it can be a mixture of many things. I mean, for us, we had to come up with a model in terms of how long we could spend on each person per morning, right? And so for the most part, we are limited with women to 15 to 20 minutes in a chair. And so that doesn't really leave time for a haircut and a style. We tend to do a lot of our haircutting prior to the day. So like in, in a whole different fitting unit. So what I'm guessing is we were up against a time constraint. And if you're playing mom, it's not a reach for you to have thrown your hair back when you went to the mall. 
So that's probably how that all came together. (laughs) (laughs) I was glad in the end, but so that's another thing I was curious about. You know, the day I was there, there was, you know, maybe 300 people sitting in the tent. How do you prepare yourself and your team for getting that many people ready for a scene? You know, how do you get a specific look that where each person looks so perfectly crafted for the 1980s when you have so many people to deal with? Do you have to bring in extra stylists or, or assistants on the day of? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So what I love about the show is every year it gets bigger and or there's unique challenges that I haven't faced professionally yet. And so last year was a really excellent example of we had to bring almost what would be equivalent to a movie uh, amount of hairstylists in to execute these large days, whether it was 300 people at the mall or 600 people later on at the carnival and so a large part of my job is staffing and I find that success is made in the variety of artists that you are able to bring to the table we had already done the legwork of sort of designing these like groups of people so you have like your teens at the mall you have your jocks you have your preps you have your moms you have your older ladies who are hanging out with their friends you have all sorts of different ranges of people right so you start with the broad strokes and then I find when you are able to staff your team with people who reflect the diversity of the amount of background that you're going to have, it makes all the difference. So I like to have what I <laughs> I lovingly call, like truly lovingly call my old ladies. These are ladies who own salons in the 80s, who are like world champion hair artists, who can literally do the 80s blindfolded, right? And so they are giving you like the most realistic people that you're going to see. But then also we're a teen show. So you have your younger artists who remember how it felt, but maybe didn't live through it, right? And that sort of keeps us grounded. And then at the same point, if you have a team that's black and white and old and young and gay and straight and everything in between, then each artist gets to tell a story. Or when somebody sits in their chair, they're like, oh, you're my Aunt Tina. And she wore her hair like this, like, let's go. And it becomes this really cool like camaraderie thing where they're creating in, in 10 to 20 minutes people that they know, right? And so we have all these sub stories within this 300 person group that really gets to shine when you have like really cool artists. And so like my job is to really just set them up for success and not micromanage them. And they get to go and create like arguably the most important characters in Hawkins, in my opinion. (laughs) Don't tell any of the actors that though. (laughs) You answered this a little bit, but I am a little bit curious when you're thinking about designing hairstyles pertaining specifically to the main cast do you Uh think about them as a whole group or do you go character by character for example you know that the gang is going to meet up at some point and Mm -hmm. so are you kind of thinking about how each person should have their own specific look but they should also kind of kind of blend in a very organic way with the rest of the gang how does that work the answer is yes and yes so you know you want to design something that looks cohesive together and sarah who is our department head and designer does such a great job of like sort of really understanding the world and helping to get us set up for success we had an interesting situation i guess that kind of speaks to this last season where um or you'll know nancy right so anytime things are getting real nancy usually throws her hair back 
it's an established fact. Season one, she had the scrunchie. Season two, she had the cool sort of scrunchie up to. But then we got to season three, right? And, and we often know like the first four scripts of the season, but we don't necessarily know in detail how it's going to resolve. We might know where it's going, but there's a lot of details that we don't know yet just for how the show is filmed and writing and yada, yada, yada. So you'll remember that in season three, we had scrunchies explode everywhere. So we had... 11 in a scrunchie we had max in a scrunchie and then we're getting to the point where things are getting real we can't just throw nancy in her usual scrunchie it would look like a scrunchie fest you know yeah so we got into like a, a really interesting sort of design question as we're working through because we knew she had to like get her hair back somehow right and especially for the hospital sequence so we ended up with the banana clip but then after all of that we decided you know what like i feel like she's ready for a really cool down look which is why she's in that wash and go look um after the monster attack at the hospital so yeah like sometimes you design to the best of your ability but even then, sometimes you kind of get painted into a corner and you have to find like cool and mindful ways to get out of <laughs> being painted into the corner. <laughs> yeah. How much input does the primary cast have on the look of their characters as far as their hair is concerned? I think when we started season one, everybody was just so happy to be there that they kind of let Sarah design whatever felt right, you know? And then as we sort of have evolved into season two and season three, like there's naturally input that comes. And, and it is very much a dance. You're not going to force somebody into something that they don't like. But also part of our roles is translating the vision of the brothers and the vision that we see for a character and the vision of Amy Paris and Amy Forsyth and also our actors. So there's kind of a lot of opinions that we have to bring to a compromise. But for the most part, everybody's really, really down. And I think that they really trust us to deliver a really cool part of the vision. And that's why I feel like Natalia was so willing for us to <laughs> perm her, you know, not once, but but twice. Oh, really? How come you had to do it twice? Yeah. Just because the shoot goes long and a perm? I don't know how perms work. Do they fall out? <laughs> yes. Yeah, so perms will relax. And so we knew at the very beginning we were going to give her a perm. We had actually talked about it back in season two, you know, like, hey, can we give you a perm? And she was like, yeah, of course. And we're like, cool, stick to that. <laughs> so we came into season three knowing we we're going to perm her. And then naturally it grows out. And because we shoot, you know, six to eight or nine months, that's a long time. And so we ended up re-perming her right as she was getting done with the hospital sequence and she was going into that down look for the rest of the season and we repermed her in a, a looser look so that it was more gentle and an easier grow up for her when she was done with us so she didn't <laughs> hate us completely have you ever tried to style on someone that you were like yeah this is gonna be it and then you saw it on them and and just felt like oh no that's that's not gonna work i think all the time you know like sometimes you get really excited you know and there's something you're like this is this is gonna be really cool and then you do it and you're like not as cool as i thought it was gonna be but i find in that process as soon as you release sort of like the attachment right to what you think it should be really cool stuff comes out of that yeah, yeah. I, 
I think it must be exciting for you because the fans have such a reaction to the hair. You know, like yeah. in season one, Eleven has the shaved head. So then at every Comic-Con, you see little girls and little boys with shaved heads and the pink dresses. Yeah. And then I don't remember. I think it was for season four for the table read or for something, some promo video that Netflix had done before the uh-huh. shutdown happened. You know, Caleb showed up and he had this like fade, this like kind of kid and play looking fade. And we were all just like, oh, yes, something's happening. <laughs> like, yeah. Just, you just get so excited because you're like, what's going to happen like the next season with their hair? Yeah, yeah. No, it's fun. I mean, I can't really talk about season four, but what I can say is that like that haircut we've been talking about since season two. So, <laughs> you know, sometimes like you have to wait really long for the characters to evolve, you know? Yeah, it's really fun. It just must be really rewarding for you to see people kind of mimic the style <laughs> you worked hard on. And then you're like, man, they did it. That's the Nancy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it is always really interesting like nancy is the one who i get like the most questions about which i think is really cool i was wondering if you could talk a little bit about the progression of styles because certain characters kind of grow older and they look kind of the same like will just kind of looks like older will but eleven and nancy and mrs wheeler they had major you know style transformations throughout the seasons which were kind of representative to how they themselves were growing as characters how did those looks come about? And I'm thinking, first I'm thinking about Eleven. I mean, she had the shaved head, and then right. in season two, she had the little cute tight curls, and then yep. in season three, she kind of had the little loose blunt bob cut. And I was like, when I first saw it, I was like, that's an interesting choice. And then when you're watching uh-huh. the season, you're like, oh, yeah, but it totally works. It fits. Right. So, like, with Eleven's story, you know, when she had her shaved head, you wouldn't necessarily know what her texture is at all. And the great thing about this story is that, and with our actors, is that because we're always under such time constraints, you want to work smarter and not harder. So there was always, like, the goal to play into natural texture. And you see that with all of the boys. Uh, You see it with Millie as Eleven. So that we really played with how long would her hair be if we were in the story world, right? And so that was how long her hair would have been if she was living real time and had grown through all of it. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. Yeah. And so then continuing the progression into the Bob, you know, she's not going to, she's not a stylish girl, you know? And so it would be very simple. She's not going to be as cool as even Max, who you would say also is kind of a tomboy. You know, we saw a little more femininity in her season three, but you know, the goal is like in this world, how do they exist? And, and we knew that 11, she's not the girl who's going to do her hair. It's, it doesn't interest her, you know? Yeah. And arguably when she's in her most badass like states, right? You see her hair hair is always like slicked back or she pulls it back and i think that's a uh, throwback to how she looks season one right you know mm-hmm. where there was no hair in her way at all yeah does that kind of give you some insight into her yeah i totally i just always think it's interesting i mean we talked a little bit about nancy's progression but mrs yeah. wheeler is someone that i really noticed because you know uh, i love mrs wheeler um, <laughs> she was she's a beautiful woman in just general but they had her very like plain crisp makeup very kind of light brown hair not a lot of flourish and then in season three we see full-on bombshell blonde hair red lipstick lavender eyeshadow that sparkles it's not even just regular lavender eyeshadow and Uh you can just see the progression of someone who's going from one kind of person which would be happening you know from the 70s into the 80s to who she is now so like i'm really excited to see her on season four whenever that happens happens but right (laughs) I I just I think it's interesting and I 
you know, I just want you to know that us fans, we notice. We notice these things. Uh, thank you. <laughs> yeah, I feel like she's she's a really interesting character and, and therefore like her influence on Nancy is also very visual too, you know. The difference between Nancy being, you know, sort of very simple season one and season two, and then in season three when she's working to be a professional, you really see Kara's or uh, Mrs. Wheeler's influence on her. And so the same way with Karen is season one, there's a lot of late 70s elements that are still in play because you're in small town, Indiana. And then by the time we get to the mall, right, or, you know, season three, where we've had this explosion of culture in Hawkins, it's going to be reflected. And I, I think you're right in saying that she's one of the most standout sort of examples of this. What is the wig collection like on set? <laughs> I'm just so curious, <laughs> especially season three with all those extras. I don't know if they get that kind of treatment, but it's really cool. The trailer that we had last year, because we were able to have 75 wigs at all times on blocks in the trailer. A lot of them are doubles. So we have, everybody has pretty much a stunt double. And then all of the kids and and a lot of the main cast actually has a photo double too. So then you have two wigs per each character, right? And then a lot of our wigs are going on sort of our day players and our smaller characters because we don't necessarily have the ability to completely change somebody's look. They're not under contract with us, but the wig is the way that we have the most bang for our buck in transforming these people into, you know, the the characters that they're really portraying. So the wig, I love, love, love this show, especially because of all the wig work. (laughs) And so there's a lot. And then every once in a while we'll have specialty background that we aren't able to necessarily cut into something that's period correct and so we have sort of like a standby running wig collection for them it's funny i had to do a a theater shoot and one of our actors came and they needed a wig and so you know the day before i was like we'll just go to this wig store we'll just pick up this wig (laughs) i think it it was like little shop of horrors or something and Uh the director wasn't sure what what route they wanted to take so they were like let's make her just look like audrey from the or not audrey but let's just make her look like from the movie and so we yeah. got the wig and i tried to style it and it was a nightmare like yeah uh-huh. <laughs> people are like it's gonna be so easy how hard can it be and it was like it was incredibly difficult like i did not know what i was doing so um, <laughs> you really do need someone who knows what they're doing like just plopping well, a wig on is not gonna make it happen no and i feel i feel like too like you're not set up for success because when you're walking into these wig stores for example if you're like i want to look like nancy wheeler for halloween right the wigs that you're getting aren't the same quality for the most part of what we're using in the trailer. We're using 100% hand-tied wigs. So somebody sat there and nodded every single hair on that wig. And that's so it looks, you know, believable when we put it on screen. What is a front lace wig? I hear people say that all the time. And I'm like, what does that mean? I don't know what that means. So a lace front wig is a wig that is, well, lace front technically is means like in the front, there is lace. And in that lace, individual hairs are tied in there. So you can um, almost put them in there in a way that it mimics somebody's growth pattern. You can put in parts, you can put in like whirls, you can put in colics, and that's what makes it look more natural. And then the wig... The wigs that we have are 100% lace. So every single one of the 10,000 or 20,000 hairs on that wig was hand tied in. <laughs> so <laughs> that's pretty awesome. It's like. Yeah. 
it's interesting. Yeah, so that's why you weren't set up for success, <laughs> is what I'm trying to say. So we have a section called Fan Questions, where we like to let fans submit things so that they can interact with you. I have eliminated yes. anything about, how can I be an extra on season four? Uh, okay, great. I love it. <laughs> so Xandra Things says, which wig was the easiest to maintain? Okay, it's going to be kind of a cheat, but the easiest wig to maintain in season three was, I'm going to say, Joyce's bang piece, which she had a, a wig season one and season two. And for season three, we actually cut up the old wig so that she only wore the bangs. So that was super easy and kind of a cheat, but it's true. No, history, that wig. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, then it's different wigs between season one and season two also. So there you go. Ella Reese says, whose hair took the longest time to do? And whose was the shortest? I'm going to say the longest person in the hair trailer is mrs wheeler mm. and the shortest is we do all of the kids fairly quickly but if it's not a haircut day i'm going to say the fastest in the trailer is lucas and dustin oh cool hello yeah. miss heather says which hairstyle was your favorite nancy is always nancy's <laughs> <laughs> hi i'm elkie says did you ever consider getting rid of will's bowl cut well i mean have we considered sure are we able to no <laughs> i mean the i guess some some good character insight on will is right we see him season one and he survives a terrible experience season two he has to survive another terrible experience and he's just trying to sort of like keep afloat right yeah season three he's really nostalgic for his world before all of that and also like in a socioeconomic standpoint we believe that joyce cuts his hair at home and Joyce probably doesn't know how to do much besides what she's able to do. <laughs> yeah. um, so I understand the want for change. And he's one of the people, though, we feel strongly is like the anchor point, though. He's holding on to the past, as you do after trauma. So I like the idea. Uh, Amy Paris and I talked about how... In season two, I had noticed after our second rewatch that Will's Ghostbuster uniform seemed to be handmade, where everyone else yes. seemed to be store-bought. And so yes. I like the idea of Joyce's cutting his hair, and I like the idea that she probably cuts Jonathan's hair, too, because they have she very does. similar haircuts. <laughs> no, that's exactly it. You're 100% correct there. I mean, th there's not a lot of money in that family at all. So, you know, you do what you have to do, and it's not uncommon for a mom to cut hair like that. Yeah, it seems like in season one, too, I think I remember Jonathan wearing bell bottoms a little bit, and I thought, that's 70s, but that yep. would check out. He'd just be wearing what still fit. Yes, exactly. Let's see. Malevin fangirl for life. Now, this question, let me ask you. <laughs> it says, can you talk about Mike's hair? And there's a lot. I got a lot of questions about Finn Wolfhard uh -huh. as Mike and his hair. <laughs> they uh -huh. want to know, why is he in a bowl cut? Why can't he let those curls live free? Um, did he wear a wig? So I guess, can you talk a little bit about Mike's hair? What was the thought about I'm Mike's here. hair? I'm so happy to talk about Mike's hair and <laughs> the progression of it. Mostly because when he started, right, um, Finn, he was a lot younger, right? And so as we age and our hormones come in, our hair texture changes, right? So this beautiful sleek hair that we had season one slowly became more and more unruly as we progressed through the seasons. Season two, we really fought against it. Season three, we were still fighting against it so much so that we actually had 
God bless Finn. We gave him a relaxer to try and tone down the curls just because we're always up against the humidity. This was our first time shooting over the summer. And as you can see, those curls are just hoping to come out, you know? <laughs> uh, and so, like, there's a fine line where when we're shooting because we're up against time constraints and, and kid hours, and also we just don't have them for a long time in our chairs, we're slowly letting his curls come out, but they cannot come out to the point of Finn's curls because it just doesn't make sense. And then also, too, like, the idea is a lot of these boys, you know, as they were growing up, it wasn't just Joyce who was cutting their hair. It was, you know, kind of every mother was cutting their kids' hair, and a bowl cut was very achievable at that point. Also, they're really nerdy, you know? So there's not necessarily a desire to have the most fashion-forward look. And I think part of the nostalgia of, of what we've created, you know, season one and carrying it through is keeping these boys somewhat anchored that way. Yeah. No, he, so no, he is not wearing a wig. (laughs) He has a wonderful head of hair and I'm very (laughs) familiar with it. I was just surprised by how many questions I got about just Mike's hair. Allison Allgood says, if you were a character on the show, what would your choice hairstyle be for yourself? I, okay. I probably would, if I was going to do it, I would go Kelly LeBrock in Weird Science. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I was going to say I want Mrs. Wheeler hair season three. <laughs> I want those curls. I want all of that. I want to cosplay as her, but, like, I don't even know how to start. <laughs> I've looked at pictures uh-huh. of her in big rollers, and I'm like, then do you tease it? Like, I don't know. Yes. I don't know how that works. You, do, you tease it. You, I mean, you get the hot roller set out. You know, you do a full roller set, right? You let it cool all the way. And then you just start teasing. And then if you feel like it, you could throw it up in a banana clip because it's really forgiving. You know, rock one of those pool looks. Yeah, some people are like really interesting at the at the kind of things they ask. I know that there's a lot of cosplayers out there right now who are trying to get that look. Yes. You don't see many Mrs. Wheeler cosplays. I know that one girl who follows us, Debris, she does a lot. But I love Mrs. Wheeler cosplay. I mean, I feel like it would be really cool. And you're right. There is a missing, missing Mrs. Wheeler cosplay opportunity that hopefully will be rectified in the future. Alex Benura, 17. 17- four says and I guess this is difficult because it's how long does each hairstyle take but you kind of answered that like it can be anywhere from a quick clean cut of Lucas and Dustin to yeah. long rolls and teasing of Mrs. Wheeler yeah I mean for the most part we have because of like how many characters we see for the most part characters don't sit in our chair longer than 30 minutes even Natalia when she was in her more done look at the first half of season three right part of that was a wig that we wore on the back to make it quicker actually here's your trivia that was the back part of the old joyce wig so yeah i mean don't say that we are wasteful around here (laughs) (laughs) some fresh color and and that's what worked there so it was kind of like the giving tree of wigs for us um (laughs) but yeah so like you you quickly learn tricks to keep it under 30 minutes also because you know we're working with kids and they can't be hanging out in the hair trailer all day (laughs) Yeah. And like you said, with the Atlanta heat, you know. Yes. Yes. I mean, you got to you have to have like 47 tricks because you may be in the same hairstyle in July when it's, you know, you're melting and then you have to recreate it until November, you know, and make it look the same despite all of the factors working against you. Do you send a crew member to go onto first or second unit if you basically anywhere that you have talent to just kind of 
kind of just kind of eyeball those hairs to make sure that everything is staying where it's supposed to be. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's like usually on this show, we have like a running crew in the trailer. And then of our main sort of hairstylist, like there will always be a representative on whatever unit in addition to other people who are simply helping to cover set. So it. I mean, especially at the end of last season when we had so many people around all the time, I could easily have eight hairstylists on wherever we're at or more. Love Elise wants to know, what is the most difficult hairstyle you have achieved? I feel like I'm going to switch the script on you, Love Elise. And I'm going to say the hardest one for us to land on last year was actually Grigori. We went through a lot of different versions (laughs) before we got there. And I feel like that was like the biggest challenge was getting him right not quite what you're asking, but in terms of like difficulty, I found that was like my biggest challenge last year. That's super interesting because his look just seems so perfect. Like the second you saw him on screen, you were like, oh, he's Arnold Schwarzenegger. He's every bad guy yeah. villain from that time period. It just seems so effortless. Like you, you saw him and you're like, oh, yeah, that's why they cast that guy. Yeah. So it's interesting <laughs> that you guys were like, how are we going to do this hair? Because it just looked like. When you saw him, you were like, he's perfect. He's perfection. Yeah. I mean, we went through, trust me, a lot of different versions. And you would think for having such short hair that it would have been really easy. But even like settling on that really perfect flat top, you know, you have to be ready to commit to that, right? Because then you're going to cut the hair into exactly that style. So, but also like at some point, you don't want to (laughs) like paint yourself into a corner you know, before everybody signs off and says, yes, that's the look. I just thought of a weird question because I was trying to think if there was anybody else in the show that had a like a hairstyle that just like completely stood out. And I think one of them was probably the guy that Steve and Dustin thought was going to be some kind of Russian agent and ended up Uh being the (laughs) acrobatics or the jazzercise instructor. Uh, How was that hairstyle chosen? (laughs) Was it just because it's like, oh, yeah, he looks like one of those guys from Die Hard? Or how did you land on that style? I believe like the idea was he was supposed to look like a classic, you know, bad guy, like Russian bad guy. And so that was pretty much exactly the influence that he he wouldn't just necessarily look like a normal (laughs) Hawkins mall goer like there has to be a reason why he stood out we knew that we he needed to be blonde all of the sort of stereotypical points needed to be hit with him and then it was just really fun once he unzipped and here he was teaching (laughs) jazzercise is there a look that you haven't done yet that you're hopeful that sometime in the future you get to do move there was one that hasn't really read on camera. Like I'm really into the rat tails. Like we were really proud to have like a rat tail collection last year hanging in the trailer. We eat, I don't know if you remember the boy who did the cannonball into the pool. He was wearing a rat tail, but you never saw it. I know um, him. I know him. Yeah. He, oh. was, he was in a show at our theater. And when I was watching it, I was screaming at the TV. I was like, I know him. That's kind of like a fun Atlanta thing. You just kind of watch to be like, yeah. who, who do I know? Who's there? That's cool. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm, I'm still waiting for like a really big mullet or um, rat tail debut. But I just feel like as we continue on, the characters appear and then like the cool hairstyles appear so then you're like oh yeah this is definitely jennifer gray or oh yeah this is definitely kelly lebrock or you know like 
I feel like, again, you can't wish for it too early because then you might try to push it on somebody who's not quite right. Yeah. I personally am, like, really <laughs> hoping for, like, some new wave hair. Or, like, yes. Guys, think Flock of Seagulls. Or I'm, uh-huh. or I'm really hoping, and I don't know if this will happen, and we'll just have to see, but I'm hoping for some 80s big hair bands. Oh, so bad. If Steve could have, like, a Bon Jovi look, <laughs> I would just, wah, perfection. I um, mean, you, you never know where we're going to land. I you know, know like, that's why I'm that's, so hopeful. But then also remember, too, like, we want to have, like, these huge 80s streams, but our show is so rooted in, in Hawkins. So you never know. Like, shh, we never shh, know. Quiet, cat, quiet. Shh. <laughs> <laughs> he will look like poison. Um, you know what? It could happen. It could happen. <laughs> Stranger Confident Wheeler 98 says, which hairstyle would you rock today? I mean, so... I guess I can answer that in that, like, when we were going into our huge permathon, which is what we call, like, all the perms that we did when we permed a ton of extras and then also talent and wigs and whatever, I actually had never had a perm. So I gave myself a perm, or well, actually, Bryn, who's, like, the other co-key, gave me a perm, and I gave her a perm, like, before we started, (laughs) and I loved it, and I loved it so much that in December, like the last time I cut my hair, I also gave myself another perm. So I don't think it's quite the answer. It would be Nancy's like wash and wear. It's kind of what I have going on right now, but just longer. So just like perm and bangs and like living my best life. So yeah. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I always want to like go on one of those makeover shows because I have this crazy hair and I just want someone to be like, like Jonathan Van Ness. I just like, this is, this is what you should be doing with your hair. Like do, you, <laughs> do your friends and family ever come to you and say, Kat, I just don't know. Like what should, what should I look like? What should I be doing? No, they usually just come to me when something goes terribly wrong. Like <laughs> <laughs> my mom and my aunts, they live in Michigan. I don't know if I should be telling the story, but they, <laughs> I was talking to my mom. She's like, Oh, well we're really worried that with like this pandemic we might need to like barter hair color but then we won't be able to actually go to the salon so i i bought like hair color and i was like well what color did you buy mom and she's like i bought a six and my mom is like a blonde and so like a six is like brown (laughs) and she's like yeah and shannon got um a five and i was like no 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 you can't well guess who used a five on her blonde hair and then guess who had to call me because then she didn't understand why when she colored it uh, six it didn't lighten up <laughs> and I was like well you just colored brown on brown yeah and then brown on brown on brown <laughs> it's so, so usually, hard it's hard and like I get it like home hairstyling is not easy that's why I prefer home haircutting versus home color <laughs> um, but yes I mean just know that like if you make that mistake though you know you get your dawn out Dawn dish open, it'll take out some of that color. But yeah, it's more like triaging. Oh, I didn't even know that. I didn't even know the the secret about Dawn. I use Dawn just because they always have those pictures of the little baby ducks. Like we've saved five million baby ducks. I'm like, (laughs) buy Dawn for them baby ducks. Um, exactly yeah i used to try to do my hair too when it was short because but it's like you always buy the box and you're like that box color looks so pretty and like that's it's gonna look just like that picture and then you yes. have, you're like this isn't golden whatever it is this is brown <laughs> yeah i mean that's the issue is like and, and without fail every time we're like but the picture on the box said and i'm like no 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 no. we don't look at the picture on the box we look at the level you know you know some lessons you just have to buy and that's okay so you have worked on some rad shows but like is there a show that you haven't worked on or like a genre or a time period that you would really (laughs) like to work on 
I would really like to, and I think all of us in the trailer agree, like I really want to work on a time travel show where you get to work on a ton of really cool different periods because I think it keeps your brain working so fast beyond just working in one period. So I don't know if that's like a cheat, but then maybe not. (laughs) (laughs) Not really. Yeah, I feel like that. Yeah, it's like my dream because I love any sort of period hairstyling. So sign me up for it. What are you into right now in pop culture? So we like to let fans kind of connect with you through books or music, or is there anything you're currently binging? I'm like the world's most boring person because I'm just working on my urban homestead (laughs) right now. (laughs) But I, like my weekend job when we're not in a pandemic is I teach yoga. And if you're into yoga, there's this really cool podcast that just started yogic studies. And they also have like online courses, which I really love. So if you're interested in like an alternate take on sort of yoga and and all sorts of fun stuff, check them out. I've never done yoga, but I always wanted to. I stretch, but I don't like Uh know any of the positions. And I always think I'm going to do it. And I've purchased myself two yoga mats and I've purchased (laughs) myself like two yoga books. And I always like start watching the videos and then I just never do it. And recently I joined that group. Um, I don't know what it's called, but it's like Yoga Goats of Atlanta or something where you can go and do yoga and like goats will like stand on your back or something Uh here in the city. And I'm like, I like goats. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever it takes to get you on the mat the first time, you know, like give it a go and then, you know, maybe you'll find something that works for you and maybe not. And that's okay. I want to do it. I want to do it. I have a hard time being in spaces with like people. lot of people it's not going to be easy now after this but you know what like the world of digital yoga is just taking off so what a great time to explore cool well i will check out that podcast um and then i can add like my two mats my two books and my podcast that I <laughs> and you'll be like in a year are you doing it and i'll be like well i'm thinking about it <laughs> thinking about it i might pull the trigger soon So we have a lot of teen listeners, and the goal is kind of to explain to them how the film industry works so that they're not always just sending a DM saying, you know, hey, how do I get on Stranger Things? Or, hey, how do I become a director? And it's like, well, there's a lot of important roles. Maybe you'll be a director. Maybe you won't. But there's a lot of different things that you can do. Like, for example, you said the word Friday, and if you don't know what that means, it basically, on a crew, if you start working on a Friday night and you don't come home till later that Saturday – that's a friend. <laughs> um, yes. But if somebody wants to be a hairstylist and they want to specifically do it for television and film and they're younger and they maybe need to learn some skills, what would you recommend for them? So there's a million and one ways that you can get into the film industry and not any one person has the same path. But what I will tell you are some skills that you need to cultivate. First off, like when you go to hair school, which you'll need to go to hair school, is um, make sure that you are going somewhere that is diverse because you will be expected to touch every kind of hair that there is. That's number one. Number two is find the oldest person in the room that you can learn under or seek out mentors who've been doing this a really, really long time and learn by watching them, learn by imitating what they are doing with hair and learn by picking their brain. And then as you're developing these skills, right, 
try them out in many different mediums. So maybe you think you want to work in the film industry, but you realize when you get into the film industry that these hours are not for you, for example. So try your art form in as many different medias as you can. So try photo shoots, try, you know, theater, try opera, put yourself outside of your comfort zone because in this sort of journey, you naturally find your niche. And so once you find your niche, then that's what you really start to sell. And that's what sets you apart. And for me, it was wig making and wig styling, right? And that's how I got into the film industry. And I was able to join the union. When I'm hiring somebody, because especially in Georgia, this is a right to work state. So I'm obligated to always call my union members first. But there are times, right, because the industry is so big, which everybody's busy. And sometimes I have to give somebody a call. And the people who I'm going to give a call to are going to be the hard workers who don't have an ego, (laughs) who are willing to be placed next to somebody who knows what they're doing very well and pick their brain and learn and show up on time. Like, it's really very simple. I will hire for the willingness to learn and a lack of ego over I will over talent any day. And I think that's really important to hear like right now, especially when we live in like sort of like an Instagram world or social media world where we want to show what we can do right on online. We want to be viewed. We want to be seen. But I find that oftentimes our ego gets too attached to how many likes we get on something. And so my best suggestion is be willing to work hard and hustle and be humble. I don't know if that helps. (laughs) No, I think it's important. Is there a difference between the kind of hair schools that you should go to? So when you're looking at hair schools, for example, like, you know, if you want to be a, a really phenomenal colorist, right, you can tell sort of when you're looking at big name schools, like, you know, if you're looking at Tony and Guy or you're looking at Paul Mitchell or you're looking at Aveda, like all of them have philosophies that are easy to see, you know, like Tony and Guy is always doing really cool cuts or colors or stuff like that. Aveda tends to work more naturally. Paul Mitchell works on precision haircutting. And that's not all they do, because when you go to hair school, you're going to learn all of those skills as you're passing your state board, which is the test that you have to pass to become a licensed cosmetologist or a barber, depending on what you're doing. But what I would encourage you to do is when you're considering schools is to go to them and see how diverse the clientele is of people who are walking in the door, right? And so if you want to be a specialist in one very specific thing, great. But if you're going to work in this industry, I would recommend that you be comfortable with people who have hair texture like you and with people who have hair texture much different than you, whatever that means. And so I guess that's kind of my suggestion. And don't be afraid to ask as you're interviewing to get into a hair school, like ask what their philosophy is, ask how many different textures that they see on any daily basis, ask if they're giving perms, especially like, you know, perms are coming back in. And yet for the most part, most schools don't have even like older women still coming in to get the perms that they used to get at like some hairdressers. Yeah. So same question, but let's say we have some older listeners who perhaps have already done those steps. They've already done the steps. They know how to do hair. Uh, Maybe they're a stylist at their local salon, but they've decided, you know what, Georgia is huge and there's films. How would they get seen by someone? Is it just they need to join the union? What are those steps? Okay, so you're a hairstylist. You're really wonderful at what you do. You're looking for your next challenge. If you're considering the film industry and you don't know anybody in the film industry and you're just kind of interested in what it is, like my first suggestion is be an extra. 
work background, uh, which is the same thing, <laughs> you know, um, so that that way you get to be on set. And then really, if you're able to be on a set, a period set, that's where you're really going to get to sit in somebody's chair, right? You're going to sit in a union hairstylist chair. And from there, you get to know that person, right? Maybe you say, hey, I'm interested in doing this. Like, if there's any point, I could take you out for coffee or whatever. Great. Because then the next time that they're on whatever show, right? And they know that they've run out of union hairstylists, your name is in their memory. And then from there, you have to find shows that are union or non-union or theater jobs or whatever and you need to collect I believe 200 days of industry experience before you'll be considered by 798 local 798 which is the IATSE union that covers the east coast for hairstylists and makeup artists so it's kind of a, a, a mouthful but from there once you have your industry experience you have your portfolio right you can send in an application and then you're invited to interview if you meet all of the qualifications and then from there if you pass your interview then you're offered membership and so it's kind of a really long path and that's okay yeah yeah <laughs> so, you need to know like if it's something that you want to do you need to know that it's not just like hey I want to come on set and hang out with Millie it, it's you know yeah yeah, and also, too, like, knowing when you're first starting out, you don't get to be starstruck. And I, that's really hard for a lot of people because what we do, even though we get to work in the arts and work with all of these really cool people, this is ultimately business, you know? So we have to treat everybody with respect in terms of, you know, how we operate as hairstylists and makeup artists and wardrobers. Like, we have to make people feel comfortable so that they can then go do their job. I guess one of my last questions is, what's the best compliment you've ever received on the show or on your work? I feel so lucky that people are so incredibly supportive. I, You know, sometimes it's nice to lurk like after the season comes out and people will be like, oh, my God, that was so spot on. My aunt, whoever looked exactly like her or I love the evolution that's happened. But what I really, really love is like the small interactions that I've had with people who will reach out. You know, like somebody wanted to know how to get the snowball look from season two. And it's interesting because, for example, this young woman, she's a hijabi. So like I get to use what I know, right, to translate to her without ever getting to see what her hair looks like, you know. And so to have these really meaningful conversations with people on a small scale is, I think, one of the most rewarding parts of this job. So then they can go to their costume party <laughs> and feel really good and write back and say, like, thank you so much. Like, I would have never known how to do it because, like, if they love my work so much, the least I can do is, like, offer them some tips to get there. Well, Kat, you're amazing. Oh, um, thank you, Ash. We're best friends now. <laughs> yeah, we are. Best friends forever. You know, it's funny as I am also working on my house. That is what I find joy in. I'll be Aww. like, I painted my living room today. And people are like, that sounds boring. <laughs> and I'm like, well, it looks really good. Um, yes, yes. I'm in the middle of canning right now making jelly. So it's a good break I'm on. Oh, I love jellies and jams. When I lived in Florida, my friend Jenny, shout out Jenny if you're listening. Um, she used to make <laughs> yeah, the most Jenny. delicious like pomegranate, just weird jellies and jams. I don't know how to do any of that. And sometimes oh. I would just come home and there would be like jars on my porch of just weird like cardamom. I don't even know what that is. And it would just be the most delicious, <laughs> delicious thing that I have ever tasted. But I'm glad to hear that you're, you're doing that. That's nice. Um, yes. If people want to follow you on social media, 
and they don't know how to do that, what's the best way? You can find me at Kat Surrey, which is at K-A-T-S-U-H-R-E on Instagram. And if you want to follow my poodle who usually comes to work, he is um, <laughs> at Figaro Surrey, F-I-G-A-R-O-S-U-H-R-E. You know, he hangs out at work. He's more cool than I am, so <laughs> I feel like it's only fair. Cool, Kat. Thanks for being on the show. It was really fun to talk to you. Um, you're so nice. Everyone that I've talked to has just been, like, the nicest person, and so it's just been really nice to talk with you. Thanks. I mean, you know, I feel like remembering where we started at the beginning, and, you know, I worked a little bit, and I went to my other show, and they're like, well, what'd you just do? And I was like, I don't know, some kid's show where he disappeared. <laughs> I don't know. And then it came out, and I feel like, you know, everybody here, we didn't know what it was going to be, and what I love is that, like, we all really 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 love our jobs and get to be a part of something that maybe for like the only time in our career people really really love and care about and so I think you have to honor and and cherish that and so thank you for like caring about (laughs) what we do and (laughs) wanting to talk it's really cool okay guys thanks for listening to the upside down podcast and thanks Kat for being on stay strange Thanks for listening to the Upside Down Podcast hosted by Sisters Ash and Tori. For more information, visit our website at theupsidedownpod.com. You can also contact us at theupsidedownpod at gmail.com as well as follow us on our Facebook and Instagram under the Upside Down Podcast. Episodes are released every other Monday, so be sure to subscribe. If you love the podcast, be sure to review us on whatever you listen to us on. Thanks again. Stay strange.